So we started a new series. Uh, we're going to be going through it for a whole year, uh, talking about uh, having this relationship with Christ, what that means, getting to know Christ, getting to know, getting to know it. And then we talked about one of the things we, we mentioned, and we'll probably mention it again here and there, um, that um, we know a lot about. Right? We, we learn a lot about, and, and that's important uh, to know a lot about things before you can know it. But, but to know Christ and to know about Christ is a, is a little bit different. And the only difference, really, is your degree of familiarity. Um, so, so we illustrated that, talking about you know, how, you, how you first know things about somebody, and then you know them. As, as time goes on, you learn uh, about them until you know them to the point where you can predict Right, what somebody's going to do. I can predict. Right, so so it, it comes up pretty frequently in our house. Um, you know, the kids' room is messy. It's always messy. Go clean that up. Your mom's coming home. She's going to be home in half an hour. She's not... not and I, I, it's gotten to the point where, like, I don't even go and check their room. Because I know the kids. See, there's this degree of familiarity. They come out. I've told them to clean their room. And they come out and I say, go back in there and finish cleaning. I don't even, I don't even say, because I know the first time, I'm not, I'm not wasting my energy walking to the back of the house and, and checking their room. Because I know that they cleaned about this much. I can see the center of the floor about three by three square. And so there's this degree of familiarity. So I send them back in. Now about 20 minutes later, after a little fighting about who's supposed to put what away, uh, which is also predictable, then they come back out, and I, I'm like, is it clean? Yeah, it's better. I didn't ask if it was better. I, so I asked him, will your mom be happy with it when she comes in? See, they have a degree of familiarity also with their mother. And, and so they don't even answer me. They just start walking back to the back... <laughs> Because they know. They know the answer. So about after four times of this and a couple of squabbles, then it's finally relatively clean. Relatively, I say, because they are boys. So it's still not clean. But it's close enough. Degree of familiarity. I've often wondered why uh, people write prologues to their books. I, I, I have this... It's like writing an introduction. Did anybody ever read an introduction to a book or a prologue? No, just skip right over. This is, this is time that a person spent investing in, in this book that they, that, that, I don't know how long it takes to write. It probably takes about the same time to write an introduction as it does the chapter. They should just call the introduction chapter one. Then everyone would read it. Right? That's, that's the way I think if I was to write a book. They spend all this time writing and, and no one's reading it. And so, we had an introduction last week, and no one was here. No. So, so this is my real chapter one. This is my real chapter one. We're talking about, uh, as we, we look at Christ and who He is, and we're still kind of in this learning about Him idea. What is, or who is Christ? And we talked about his eternal nature. And we're going to kind of repeat that a little bit, but with a different twist. And uh, I want to look at our text real fast. In John chapter 8, verse 53 through 59, he says, Are you greater than our father Abraham? This is a long text that wouldn't fit on here. You can read the whole chapter if you want. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? 
Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus said, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. But it is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, Oh, he's our God. But you've not known him. I know him. And if I were to say that I don't know him, that would make me a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he did see it and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, Are you not yet fifty years old? And you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. We're going to talk about... I know that some recent sermon somewhere, we've gone through the concept of I am. We're going to go through it again. For those who might not have... This is probably a lot of old stuff for a lot of you, but then again, we sing, tell me the old, old story. So we're going to do it again. We want to talk about Jesus as the I am and what does that mean. It's difficult to make sense. And we look at the end, right? They take up stones to throw at him. And we think, that's taking the grammar police thing a little too seriously. Before Abraham was, I am, that makes no sense. I have a problem with the grammar. That's not what they were mad about. We're going to see what they were mad about. And so there's one important verse in this chapter that places the context that has nothing to do with explaining the I am part of this. But if we back up, we're going to look at the, the concept here. It's found in John 8.20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So, so this is it's all in the same chapter. and He's teaching in the temple, and this is important for one reason. Now, Every day they spoke, they had a, a language that's called Aramaic. This is Hebrew-Greek kind of mixture, right? But in the temple, they spoke Hebrew. That's the holy building, right? We have ways we talk, and, and you think that, and we talk about, well, when we come to church, we put on our masks, and that's like, like that's a new thing. No, they did that too. The church was a special building for them too. They came to the church building and, and they had the special language that you had to speak when they came in the church building. Nothing's really changed in 2,000 years. Right? So, so they, they came to the church and we have to speak pure Hebrew. And that's important because what he says when he says the I am, he's saying something that makes them want to throw rocks at him. And we're going to look at what he says. So, because he's speaking Hebrew, we're going to look at some Hebrew. I'm not a Hebrew professional. Uh, this is fairly simple Hebrew. I want to turn, if, if you turn your Bible, you see the whole text. In fact, you could read right through chapter 6, which we're going to look at. There's a really interesting set of uh, events that happen here. Moses, in the context, is, is going back and, and, and he's trying to He's prepared for trying to lead his people up. Then he's, he's with, with God at the burning bush here. Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What's his name? What will I say to them? Now, just a little background. 
We remember that the last time Moses tried to interject himself into the affairs of the Israelites, it didn't turn out so well. And so he's just kind of predicting how things are going to go back. And when he goes back to him, he's like, all right, God, things didn't work out so well. So this time, who do I say sent me? If I just, you know, I, I, I want to, he, he's like, I need to have something to go in there with. The, and I'm going to say, he wants this like really powerful name, you know, like the Lord of the universe, the big, big word, big name. I want to go in there and just knock their socks off because, you know, I, I have a reputation with them. So he said, I need a really good name to go back in there and tell them, Moses is your leader. I need a big name because they don't like me. They asked, what is his name? What will I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. That doesn't sound too powerful. Like, uh, that doesn't sound. I am who I am. Sounds like something Papa I would say. He said... Say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this, thus I am to be remembered throughout your generations. What name? Hmm. That's kind of interesting. So, this is, they wrote backwards. I, I was on a plane and, I, and uh, we come over going one way, I forget which way. Uh, but there was, there was a large section of, uh, of, of Jews, and I saw a guy flip, and I was like, he's reading. And I was like, he must have, my first inclination was, he must have forgotten something on the previous page, and I'm like, oh yeah, they read right to left. So he's, he's flipping pages this way. Um, so we read right to left here, and this is the word to exist. It's the word ayah. That's how you would pronounce this. Ayah. Right? Okay? That means to exist. And he says, and so, so that's the word, I am. I am that I am. I exist. Okay? That's strange. A couple chapters later, God spoke to Moses. He said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God Almighty. But by my name is the Lord. I did not make myself known to them. And they're like, okay, what's the connection? The connection is in the Hebrew. And this is the word for Lord. You say, okay, that looks like scratchings on the on the screen there. And I want you to notice I don't know why that's like that. That's uh got copied wrong, apparently. That got copied wrong. Anyway. When you copy it, it copies it backwards because it wants to read the letters like English. So there are is a root, we'll see it later. The root for Yahweh or Jehovah is the same as the word ah yah. Yah is the root. Let's look at this here. And this will make sense. I know this is kind of boring. It'll get really interesting in a second. Exodus 15.2 The Lord is my strength and my song and He has become my salvation. We've heard of that. This is the song of Moses. This is my God and I will praise Him, my Father's God, and I will exalt Him. And the word Lord is interesting because it's just simply the word Yah. That's the root. And you see that, um, I have them backwards there. Um, that's what happened. Two squares should be reversed. The word Yah is the root. And the word Yah is just is the same as the word Jehovah. It's like a nickname, sort of. It means Jehovah. 
God's name, that His special name, He sends Moses back and says, My name is I exist. In the present tense. Not a past tense, not a future tense. I am. I am the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. We kind of talked about that. The Alpha and Omega. And so when Christ says, before Abraham was, I am. He has just in the temple said, My name is Jehovah. Understand why they picked up rocks. Now this is a thing we do where we kind of interpret because there's this Old Testament, New Testament thing, we kind of liken Jehovah of the Old Testament, because that sounds really big, to the Father in the New Testament. We kind of link those two. I think that's natural to do. That's not the right link. Jesus says, I am Jehovah. That's blasphemy, unless it's true. Then it's not blasphemy. I am as high as it gets. That's a pretty big claim. That is a big claim. And so, there was no bigger name for Moses to go back under the authority of. Moses goes back under the authority of Jesus Christ. Think about that. Well, we don't see that picture back then. They didn't have that concept. But it was under Jesus Christ that Moses went back to the Israelites and said, we're following the big, the, the thing that's no bigger than. We're following Jesus Christ. Well, that's the, the grammar of it. That's the boringness of it. That's the information about Christ. But that still doesn't teach me to know Christ. Knowing Christ is being familiar with what that is. Knowing that on a personal level. And we come to the idea of constancy. Once we know Him, well, then, okay, so he's eternal. We talked about that last week. You know, keep redoing the same sermon over and over. But I am offers us a slightly different way to know him, and it has to do with this constancy, this reliability. Like we talked about in a family, you just know and you can predict right, what people are going to do. There's this familiarity. James chapter 1, verse 17, and I know this is talking about the Father. And it's all the same concept. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change or shadow of turning. There is no variation with God. Christ does not change. He is the I Am. Yesterday, He's the I Am. Tomorrow, He's the I Am. Christ is not unpredictable. He's not unreliable. He is constant. He is a constant. In, in equations, you, we don't like a lot of constants. Right? Or, or a lot of variables. We like constants. That's how we solve things. 
We solve things with constants, not with variables. Christ is the constant in our equation. He is the I am. And so Moses could go back to people and say, here's an obligation, here's a, a thing we need to do because Christ is a constant, because Christ is reliable. And so it should be even easier, since we know about Christ, and since Christ has explained Himself a little bit more, it should be easier for us to rely on Him. I don't like heights. I do not like heights. And what makes it worse is that my I have a ladder that I inherited with my house, and it is a bent aluminum... And I mean, when I say aluminum, it's like someone rolled it out of those aluminum foil things and made a ladder out of it. I mean, it is really chintzy. I don't like that thing. I don't like to be more than like five feet out. I had to change. I had to clean it. I was like, yesterday, or day before yesterday, was a nice day, so I got out and cleaned my gutters. I'm like six feet off the ground. I don't like that ladder. That's not, I, I feel like it's not reliable. I get a good ladder, and I can get up and down it a couple of times, and I'm, I'm okay with it. If I have a good one, and a good strong fiberglass or something, yeah, I, I, can, I can do, if, if I can feel that there's something to it, I'm okay. To about 20 feet. <laughs> I don't care what I'm on. Reliability. Christ is reliable. And, and experiencing that, and knowing that God doesn't let you down, knowing that Christ is not something that changes all the time. The first time I was like, I don't know. This is a little hard at first to trust God. But with time comes reliability, comes, comes this dependability, familiarity. The apostles informed us. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life. And imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings because it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not foods which have not benefited those Devoted to them. And people, people put their reliance in a lot of things. And he says, you, Jesus doesn't change. Jesus is the same. And he can be relied upon. And so, it's not just the trust. It's, it's not just that we can trust God to be good, to trust Christ to, to, to have grace and mercy. But there's also another reliability. I can rely on this fact that Christ has expectations. I know that. Christ has expectations for me, and I can know it. I walk out that door and know that this week there are expectations. God says, I'm coming back. Is it clean? I'm going to be back soon. Is it clean? Get going. <laughs> right? There should be that familiarity. That I can just know there's an expectation. The expectations haven't changed because Christ hasn't changed. There's always been an expectation. Culture, 
society, scientific discovery, nothing is going to change. <clears throat> the expectations. Nothing <clears throat> will amend the gospel. It is what it is. Christ gave it. And he can be relied on to expect something. I'm not going to walk in there and say, no, it's okay, I'll let you squeeze by. He's very reliable. You know. That's not a bad thing. It would be a bad thing to, to have and serve a God who was unreliable in that regard. Who would want to serve a God that might be okay today, but might not be okay with it tomorrow? I wouldn't want that kind of a God. <clears throat> it's good to have boundaries and know where the boundaries are. To know what Christ expects, it's not going to change. You wouldn't want someone that today, it's just, there's no constancy to what the rules are. You always live in fear, always live in doubt, not knowing that Christ can be relied upon. We can trust Him to be the Father of life, with whom come good gifts. We can trust Jehovah, the same God who was the, the reason for Moses, and the reason for Abraham to do incredible things. He talks about the example of all those people. And underneath it all was Jesus Christ who they were trusting. They didn't know it. They were trusting in Christ. That's what motivated them and was the basis for accomplishing great things. He says, take that faith. Be, let that be an example because the more we know, we can even be more familiar. Think about the things that Christ has not let you down in. How reliable has He been? And the other side of that then is how reliable have I been? So as we conclude, first thing, is to engage. Challenge is to engage. And God is, and Christ is reliable for His expectations. There are opportunities all around us. You mentioned family promise. There are opportunities all around us, whether individually, whether as a congregation. Uh, one of the things that I've enjoyed seeing this, this last several months is some of the new teachers we've had. People jumping in, doing things. Some of some of the ones who have always been relied on have been able to take a break. It's been nice, right? It's always nice to see people engage. To become more familiar with Christ and say, I want to engage. There I realize that there are expectations. Christ hasn't saved me to, to warm a spot. There are so many things to do in the kingdom. On Wednesday nights, there's another plug. Wednesday nights, we are here, we're going through a book called Letters to the Church, and it's all about church growth. All about the things that are 
kind of pitfalls to church growth and, and the way that we build the congregation. If we're going to, to move forward, we want to know how to grow my little corner of the kingdom. How do I grow my little corner? Christ is reliable. He says, I'm asking you to be reliable. If you can make it. Or if you can't. It is valuable information. To participate in some way in what is happening in this congregation. The degree of success is relied on direct, direct correlation on the amount of participation. Engage. Because God is looking for reliable people. He can be trusted to do His part. Develop your relationship with Him. And part of that relationship is the relationship with other people in this room. It is a family. Be reliable. Trust God. And be the person that He can trust.